Good morning, everyone, and happy Sabbath. It's so good to be here. I'll tell you, um, today my heart is full of joy. Uh, since that long spring break, this is the first time my whole family comes to church together. Um, I have here my husband and my two boys, Ben and Zach. My name is Raquel. I bring greetings to you from the Lighthouse Brazilian Church in the name of our pastor, Jovan. It is good to be uh, with you this morning. Pastor Nathan invited me to come here today, and I am blessed and honored to be here. It is a troubling time we live in, and we, you know, ask the question, who do we turn to? Who do we go for support and for help? You know, um, in a, I'm, you hear my accent. I am from another culture. I'm from Brazil. And in Brazil, when you go in to buy your house, do you know what's the most important thing that you do when you go to buy your house? You watch your neighbor before you buy that house. Because your neighbor is everything. And when I mean everything, it means everything. You invite your neighbor to come in for Christmas. Your neighbor knows your business. Most people use the neighbors as a counselor, psychologist, doctor, because you really rely on your neighbors to take you to the hospital overnight, to be with you. Now we live on a farm, and I, I'm glad to know that I know my neighbors. I hope one of my neighbors uh, watching this morning. Uh, but sometimes we don't get to know our neighbors. The story that we're going to talk um, about this morning, it's about a neighbor, and it's about what it is to be a neighbor, what it is to be there um, for somebody. And I want you to open um, your Bibles with me on the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 31 to 35. I'm going to read um, from the translation the message, but it's Luke 10, 31 to 35. Let's all pray. Dear Father in heaven, as we open your word, and as we see this message, let it be as relevant to us today as it was many years ago. We need a message of hope in the place, in the country where people are divided. You are called us to be united in your blood. Please help us, Lord, to understand your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Jesus answered by telling this story. You know, they were asking about who is your neighbor. So Jesus answered by telling a story. There was a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. On the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up, and went off leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest was on his way down to the same road. But when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. Then a Levite religious man is now coming. And the man showed up, and he was also avoided to the injured man. A Samaritan traveled down the same road, came on to him. When he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. 
He gave him first aid, disinfecting, bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him up into his donkey, led him into an inn, and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins, gave it to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him. If it, if it costs you any more, put it on my bill, and I will pay you because I will return. What do you think? Which of these three became the neighbor to that man attacked by robbers? The one who treated him kindly, the religious scholars responded. Jesus said, go and do the same. Brothers and sisters, this parable is to define who is my neighbor. Who is there for me? You know, they were divided into two people. The scribes, the doctors of the law, and the scripture. They thought, my neighbor is the one who has mercy on me. But Jesus, he thought, a neighbor is somebody like me that gives his life to help others. A neighbor is somebody who takes the time, assess the situation, and heal the wounded. You know, it's interesting because the word um, neighbor comes from the Greek word plesion, which means at reach, next, right by, at the hand, at the touch, at the reach of somebody's arm. We see the story uh, points out three main characters. The priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan. And they all are involved in the scene of this crime. A crime happened and these three people, these three characters are there involved. And we see that the definition, the good Samaritan, is defined as a neighbor. But there is a four character that we don't, we almost don't notice. Right on the Good Samaritan takes care of the injured man. What does he do? He takes that man into the inn to meet with the innkeeper. And when he comes, we gotta remember who is the innkeeper. Probably he is the one who owns the hotel, who owns the, the inn. He's there. He's, is he a busy man? Of course, he's a busy man. He's there working every day. He has um, people that come in and out. He needs to take care, change the beds. He's busy. But the innkeeper, does he know the crime? Was he a witness of what happened to that injured man? Was he aware of it? Of all, all these four characters, he's the one who did not witness what did he do? He opens the door of his inn. And when he opens the door, the good Samaritan, he is the one who had already saved the life of that injured man. He is the one who took the time, look at somebody who had, was about to die, and he heals that person, takes care of that person, but he goes on into his mission and he chooses that inn. And the man 
who knows nothing of what happened to this man. He had, remember, he had not witnessed that the man had been taken advantage of. He probably could have thought, well, you know, maybe if he was more careful, he wouldn't be full of wounds because, after all, the innkeeper wasn't there. Or he could have been very judgmental. Mm, only God knows what was happening there. Why does he have all these wounds? Well, he didn't do any of that. Well, actually, the Bible leaves it open, right? What is it going to happen? What, you know, we have faith that this was it in here to show us a story. Because the Good Samaritan, he gives a mission to the innkeeper. He gives a mission, he says. According to the story, the Samaritan comes in and tells the innkeeper, I'm giving you two silver coins. Please take care of him. And if he costs any more, put it in my bill. And when and I will pay you back when I return. Brothers and sisters, you know, sometimes we go in this parable and we try to find who we are. But we know who has saved that man and who has saved us in our lives. And many times, um, we are, people are brought up into our lives that we don't even know what are the type of wounds that they have had. This man, the, the uh, innkeeper, he now has a mission. He has he's been given, provided two silver coins. And now for the next, you know, a silver coin at that time was for one day uh, salary. So if he was given a two coins, was the man going to return the third day? Well, we want to have faith and believe that the man took it to him, that responsibility. In a way, the innkeeper was the extension of the Good Samaritan. Because now the innkeeper was going to continue the job that the Samaritan started. You know, you and I are the innkeeper. Because we know that on the roads of our life, the Good Samaritan once found us dead, almost no life, without breathing, on the road. And he is the one who started that action, took care of us, and brought us somewhere. And also, you are the one who is at the church opening the doors for the ones who come in. Now imagine if that innkeeper had said, well, you know, I'm not sure about your past. I don't know if I want you here in my hotel. Well, the same thing about churches. Do we ask, why are you here today? Well, I'm telling you, some wounds are so ugly that you even want to avoid looking at the misery of people. So what are we doing with our ends? Are we opening are we, what is the mission that this man now have? You know, um, sometimes we like to think the church is a great place to socialize and be happy and fun. And thank God that's the place that the church is supposed to be. 
but also it's a place of healing. The innkeeper had a mission because when the Good Samaritan returned, hopefully this man was healed and in a better position. Now, was he going to accept that? Was he empty-handed to do it? The Good Samaritan just said, well, this is it. That's your problem, you know, and well, good luck with that. Well, we know that the Good Samaritan gives him what? He gives the silver coin. You know, in my life and in your life, we have been given talent. We have been given gifts. You know, I was so blessed today here by the music, by the prayer. God has not left, left us empty-handed. He has given us, each one of us, uh, qualities, talent to sing, to preach, to heal, to counsel. Because when people come into our inn, we can open the door and say, Okay, thank you for the talent. It's not for me to be used for myself um, exaltation. The talent you have given me, good Samaritan, is for me to use into the wounded ones. To the one you have entrusted me. Remember, the innkeeper is the extension of the good Samaritan. Well, but when we look at this story, um, we might think, you know, is this going to be forever? Uh, it seems like there is no more hope. Well, uh, when you enter into ministry, you might think, is the talent I have enough? And sometimes, you know, we spend hours um, trying to support ministry in church. You spend your money. You guys have a school as a ministry, and how many hours... How much money, how much effort has been into supporting the ministries you have. And sometimes you might think, you know, am I going to be able to take care of this man in my inn? But what is the promise of the good Samaritan? Well, the Samaritan says, if it costs any more, put it at where? Put it at where? Put it in my bill. I will pay you when I return. Brothers and sisters, sometimes we even invest so much effort and money into the people we take care of or into the work that we're doing on this earth that we think, I have given it all and I have nothing else to give. I gave more than what I was given before. But what is the promise of the Good Samaritan? When I return, I will pay you back. Does the Bible support that promise? The Bible is full of promises that when our wonderful Good Samaritan comes back, he's going to pay much more. As a matter of fact, the very judge of all nations tells to every innkeeper, Come, you, blessed of my father, inherited what? The kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Brothers and sisters, we get to be confident that this ministry, this work, belongs to the good Samaritan. 
what we have to do, what you and I have to do. First of all, we have to say thank you because you chose my Anne. You chose me to partner with you. And we get to let them come. These are the precious children of God coming in. And if the wounds are so ugly, if it smells bad, if you can't take that personality that is walking into your life or into your church, you get to understand you have a ministry and it's of healing. You have been given the talent, the money, the support from the Good Samaritan. So you can develop that ministry and the Good Samaritan is returning. Amen? Well, I tell this story because there's parts in our lives that we are the innkeeper. We're all called to be the innkeeper. But there are parts in our lives that we are down the road of death. I think everyone here, sooner or later, will meet with that good Samaritan. And he's going to pick you up. He's going to take care of your wounds, and he's going to entrust you to somebody else. Well, a few years ago, that happened with me. As I mentioned to you, I was um, brought up in Brazil, born and raised. And my family in Brazil, my boys and my husband had the opportunity to visit Brazil with me a few times. They were in a business, as we grew up, of planting Catholic churches. Um, we would wake up in the morning and talk about it, go out throughout the day and talk about it. And we started over 20 years ago a little uh, church in the backyard of our house. And that's, that's the church when it first started. If you can see the person there on the mic, I'm there with my brother, right there. And we grew up planting that Catholic church. And we worked in a ministry there. And that's me. Um, I think I was around 20. And this is a mass to consecrate our people to the mother of Jesus. And that was our lives. We, we did that all the time. Um, that's about the church today. I think this is a picture I took last time I was there. And there are thousands of people participating in that church. And my parents founded that church. We were church leaders uh, when I left Brazil a few years ago. When I arrived in the United States, I lost that communion with the church. And I went through a very difficult time of depression. I didn't even understand who I was anymore. I lost my identity. I don't know if anybody here is from another country, but after a while, you don't eat your food. You don't speak your language. The smell is different. I love America, but I really wanted my rice and beans. And it was so, so tough. I went down into the valley of the death. And for a few times, I considered ending my life. But I met a sweet couple, Mercedes and Jesse. I'm going to tell you a little bit about their lives. They had an interesting in ministry. They would get people Saturday afternoon that went to Collin County Community College and just to serve them meals. You know, college students are hungry all the time. 
I was one of them. I met my friend Moonju, who was a, a frequent uh, going to their house. She said, Raquel, do you know Mercedes and Jesse? They're Brazilians. Oh, they make such a great Brazilian food. Do you want to come to their house? So I went. And they offered me a friendship with no strings attached. The first time I went to their house, you know what they did? They fed me. They didn't ask me to change. They didn't ask me to take anything down. They didn't ask me to change my clothes or my habits. Did they see me wounded? Did they think, well, where is she coming from? Probably they thought, but they opened their inn and they fed me. And they said, come next Saturday. And then I started going once, and I'm like, what about the Saturday? Why do you offer food Saturday? She said, oh, we go to church in the morning, and then in the afternoon I make food, and I like to have kids to come over to my house. And we became really good friends. I told her my story about growing up in church and building Catholic church. I was so proud of my religion. She said, Raquel, since you have experience in building a church, we're starting a new church program. Why don't you come to take a look? You know, if you want to, they have potluck. Well, I like to eat. And I said, well, you know, just to make sure I'm no Protestant. I'm never going to change anything. You know, I'm very happy and proud of who I am. She said, no, just come the way you are. Just come the way you are. When I arrived at a church on a potluck day, uh, okay, hold on. Oh, there you go. When I arrived on a potluck day, they received me, they fed me, and little by little, I started feeling myself again. You know, they introduced me to Dr. Kevin Rosado. He is a psychologist, and he helped me so much. And due to the time, the most difficult time in my life, and I had to choose a career later on, I chose his path, and I went and did a master's in counseling, and that's what I do today. I'm a counselor. But I, it was one of the deepest moments in my life. People took the time to spend with me. Of course, that immediately I started calling my parents. I said, hey, mom, I'm into this place. They're so cool. You know, they feed me. I'm feeling better. She said, Raquel, remember, you were in depression. Now you're talking to these strange people. You have been brainwashed. We got to do something about it. I said, no, but now I'm happier. I met my husband in that church. We had friends. And life was becoming so beautiful for me. My mom said, well, let's stop everything. I think you're not sounding well. Let me send your brother to bring you back into reality. You can go to the next one. My mom said, oh, I made a friend, Leticia. She started with a Bible study. Let me tell you something. You know what brought me to church was potluck. I'll be honest. Corona does really bad when it comes to potluck. Because potluck is a great opportunity for healing. But do you know why I stayed in church? It was for the word of God. The word of God is what does the healing in you. If somebody walks into your inn, 
Don't be so uh, fast into judging them, into telling them to change. Hey, take this out, cover this in. The Word of God itself is going to heal people. Remember that the inn is a place of recovery. That innkeeper had a mission. He was given the talent for a reason. And the reason was recovery. But sometimes we want to do the recovery right there at the door. Let's patch it up and come in so I can accept you. Brothers and sisters, the word of God that has the healing power to change somebody that was dark in depression, that was out in the world, that was a merry worshiper into following the paths of Jesus. It's the word of God. Leticia said, Raquel, you've been in church. You grew up in church. Why don't we study the Bible? It's not going to hurt. I said, yeah, but I'm Protestant. I'm not Protestant. I'm Catholic. Do not, do not ask me to get baptized. None of that. She said, yes. So later on, uh, my brother came. Next picture. Oh, thank you enough. So later on, um, do you think it's going to come back, brother? Oh, yeah, just a little time. So that friend um, started telling me some things, and I decided to stop working on the Sabbath after reading the Bible. When my brother David came, it was a huge fight between us because he said, Raquel, stop with the nonsense of working on the Sabbath. He said, well, I'm not going to work anymore. If you want to work, that's fine. But why don't you come to this church with me? He said, I'll go to church with you Saturday if you go back to Mass on a Sunday. I said, okay, deal. So he came in. But, you know, I was very nervous because I didn't know if people were going to judge him or if anybody was going to say something about the church I loved so much. That's why we have to be careful with the wounded. Do you know when a person comes into the hospital and is very wounded and very dehydrated, they are careful with what they give them. We have to be careful with the people that we accept into our in. Not be careful with them, but be careful the dosage of things you give them. Well, I came in with my brother and I was praying the entire time. Do not say anything about the Pope. Do not say anything about the church while my brother was in. And guess what? It was a potluck day. We can go to the next one. It was a potluck day. Oh, is it working now? There you go. So it was a potluck day. We have there, you know, the treasure, the elder of the church. And they're embracing my, my brother on the first day that he arrives at the church. And guess what they say? Hey, David, we heard you, you sing and you play at your church. Why don't you do here uh, the same next Saturday? Hey, man, I am Catholic. You know, I just want to make sure. He said, well, come as you are. Play a, play a song. And that will be okay. So the next Sabbath, guess what? We can go to the next one. Here comes my brother, and he uh, sings a song there uh, during the service. And then right away, my brother is plugged into what we call 
entry-level ministries in church. Today, the Lighthouse has actually voted some entry-level ministry because when you're in the process of healing, guess what? You get to do physical therapy. And you get to be plugged because they're not going to be part of it. If you think this is a secret club that only some chosen people can be part of it, today, this morning, I saw a little cute boy working the sound and testing. We have to put people to serve and to work right away because that's physical therapy. Immediately, he got connected with the sound. I love the sound ministry because the sound ministry has power in there for healing, for when people come to church. We made friends. We can go to the next one. I think maybe... Okay. Um, we were part of a small groups, and then we had to make a decision. You know, um, I had been studying the Bible for a while. My brother, who went from angry to angrier to passive, and said, you know what? I'm going to start studying the Bible as well. My time during that process of studying was about like a year and a half. And finally, I made a decision for baptism. I decided not to tell my parents because I thought, you know, they might have a heart attack and I'll be so guilty, I will not get baptized. So I didn't tell my parents. I was praying and praying. And I remember it was a Wednesday just before my, my Sabbath baptism. We were driving back from Colleen, uh, Colleen College, and my brother and I and, and David said, Raquel, stop the car. I said, oh, no, now he's going to give me a hard time. He said, Raquel, do you know what you're doing this weekend? I said, well, getting baptized. No. You are breaking with the tradition of our family. We grew up happy and proud building Catholic churches. And now this Saturday, you're going to be a shame for our family. I said, well, I know, but I'm convicted in my heart of what I need to do. My brother started crying and he said, well, I want to get baptized with you. So that very next Saturday, you can put the next one. Let's see if it's working. There you go. That's my brother and I. We got baptized on the same day. Well, we had potluck to celebrate afterwards. <laughs> it was such a day of joy for us. It took a while to tell my parents. I think it took about a month or so. Finally, we told my mom and my dad. I remember my dad said, you know what? We taught you what we thought. But if you are guided in the word of God, I'm proud you're standing as an adult in your faith. And that was it, but that wasn't it for me. We got married, and this church has given me much more than I have ever dreamed. Inspired me to get a career to help others. Gave me my husband and my kids. I keep that picture that they're so little because they're so well-behaved. Now they're here, young men. And this church has done so much. This hotel has changed my life. Amen. But I had one more brother in Brazil, Sam. Sam was about 16. I had already got married to Greg. And then I started calling my parents. Could Sam come and live with me? That's my last kid. No. 
because your first thing you're going to do is your Bible study. I said, I promise I'm not going to put him in any Bible study. But you know, um, I think he needs to be in a Christian education. And we, we registered him to go to North Dallas Adventist education. I commend this church for having a Christian education. Because the Christian education can do so much for the wounded ones. Do not give up. When times are hard, know your why. Know that there are kids, there are young, there are teenagers wounded that need your Christian education and your support. So Sam got connected with the choir of Lighthouse, and he joined the Adventist education, and he um, graduated in May of 2009. Well, I promise I didn't give any Bible study, but the school did much more than I could ever ask for. Right after his baptism, he um, decided, uh, right after uh, his graduation, he decided for baptism. But he was under 18, and he called my parents. My, my mom said, I prohibit you. You know, you're mine. You're a minor. He broke communication for a couple of weeks, and during that time, he got baptized. He got baptized when he was 17, and God has done to our lives much more we can ever dream of. These are my brothers serving, David, he um, is currently the director of Pathfinder, Sam is currently an elder, and I'm the first elder of Lighthouse Brazilian Church. This is the picture of my dad cleaning up after Pollock. This is the picture of my mom and my dad serving Pollock at church. My parents are so proud that they have Seventh-day Adventist kids. They have not yet got baptized, but I am very aware that what is happening in the world is opening their eyes even more. Because we have studied so much together that I know at the right time they're also going to be making a decision. But guess what? They have been healed, cared, fed by the end. Even though they have not decided for baptism. We are in the business of caring for people because that's the command from the Good Samaritan. I give you talent. I give you the wounded one. And I trust you. And don't be sad or don't be worried. Because I'm going to come back. These are, this is my brother David. Uh, preparing uh, the church for the Pathfinder Bible Bowl. And here are my parents. Studying the Bible with us. So my brother is in the back. I'm going to let you in a secret now. Remember, the innkeeper that took me into their inn, Jesse and Mercedes, I learned of this not too long ago, about a month ago, when I was talking to Pastor Nathan. This is their name, Mercedes Jesse de Lima. They are the first uncle and aunt of Pastor Nathan. Um, the mother of Pastor Nathan and his father, David, they gave me so much Bible study 
so much. I'm so thankful they never judged me. They only gave me, took care of me, appreciated me the way I was. They opened the door of the inn and they fed me. Literally, they took care of me. Um, this week, Pastor Nathan sent me a note and said, Raquel, Mercedes is so happy you're coming to preach at my church. Look what she says. Mercedes says, oh, that's my daughter, Raquel. You know, to be an innkeeper, you've got to have that commitment. Are you committed to have daughters and sons and maybe not have enough money yet to support the wounded, but have the faith that the good Samaritan is coming. I want to close with this call. There are people all around us. There are people on the roads. There are wounded people. The good Samaritan is in the job of saving lives. And that good Samaritan that took me and you and that man out of the world of death, he's doing the same. But he comes to the door of an inn and he needs you and myself. He needs a partnership with man to take care of the wounded. What is going to be our response? What is going to be our response? We're not in the business of saving. Our Savior did that on the road of death. We are in the business of taking care of his children. But some wounds smell. Some people you cannot bear to stand. Are you going to accept the challenge? Are you going to make your home an inn? Are you going to be the innkeeper? Well, the word of God give us hope invites us and if you feel like you know what i'm running out of talent i'm running out of patience i'm running out of time just remember he is going to return and when he comes back he's gonna pay you and me he has a he has a home built for us if you accept that call today i invite you to stand with me first of all thank you for opening the door of this church for me once, almost two decades ago, for giving me an opportunity to have a husband. My husband grew up in this church. You prepared me a great man, but then you accepted me the way I was. Let's all pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Because you are in a business of saving. And on the road of death, you have met us. Right where we are. And you have, you have taken care of us. You have taken care of our wounds. And you have entrusted us to somebody else. The people you brought into my life are Mercedes and Jesse. Thank you. Thank you. Because they opened the door of their house and served me food, my life changed. The life of my family changed. Lord, today I ask you, please let me do the same. 
Please let me have the burden, the creativity. You have given me the talent already. Well, let me use it. Help me. Help each one of us here use the talent you have already given us. The two coins of silver need to be used for the ones who are crying and for the ones in need. Help us to open the door. Help us to put aside all the pre preconceived ideas all the judgment and let everyone in and give us God encouragement every day. But Lord, may we see you on that very day when you're going to come back and you're going to say, I am back, I told you, and I'm back to pay double, triple. I, you're going to live with me forever. Can you present me? All the ones I left in your hand. And God, may us have people to present to the good shepherd on that day. I pray that everyone here today can be blessed to be an innkeeper, Lord. Blessed that my boys are here listening to this message. And they also want to become innkeepers. And all of our children, Lord. Please be with us today. In Jesus' name, I pray.